This is the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast for Sunday, April 10th, 2022. Well, if you follow us on Instagram at wildflower underscore bee underscore farm, you know it's been a tough week. Going into the winter, we believed we had six fairly strong hives, and around February, March, they were doing cleansing flights and all seemed well. However, um, recently discovered that not one of those six hives has made it um, through um, this winter. First time that's happened in, in a very long time. And so when I looked at, you know, this, you know, what did I do wrong? Because I think you really have to own this kind of stuff. There are some key points that um, became clear to me. Just recently, I looked at a, a video by um, the person that started uh, Bee Weaver. I believe it's in Texas where they had started he had started with a thousand hives and um the first year he was down to nine hives after trying to go uh, treatment free i i think it's a it's a really important crucial thing to think about the difference between being sustainable and uh, being uh, treatment free so one of the things that i think is really important and the mistakes that i made are the following when i started this project <clears throat> three years ago we didn't have a lot of genetic diversity um, and that was my fault nobody else's um, the hives came from one area uh, even the queens that I purchased the queen cells and the queens came from that one area I did have a couple of hives from a local beekeeper that was amazing and they were the the best hives that we did have that first year when they came on the property I split them quite extensively um, and then we went into the winter and came out of the winter with some 30, all of our hives, 100% of our hives survived the winter. And then throughout last summer, we started seeing a lot of them die from queen failure, even though in that spring, if you remember last spring around March, we used a hop guard treatment, um, which is from the hops plant. And we lost some bees right after that. We lost some queens right after that because there is some toxic issues related to hops if it drips down and should hit a queen or or hurt the bees so I'm not sure that was uh, the issue but um, long story short we saw a lot of queen failure followed by robbing throughout the summer and that led us to the six hives that uh, we were having another mistake I made I had a uh, a top bar hive that it was going into its fourth year treatment free and I didn't split it. There could have been great genetics there. I only did a few splits last year. I think about three or four walk away, what I call no-look splits, where you simply take the top part of a hive and simply move it. And they all were successful in, in surviving, but it was only four hives, which obviously for this situation isn't sustainable. So number one thing I think we learned is that we didn't, I didn't follow the genetic a diversity recommendation of most people who work to um, raise bees, bees with minimal human interference. I also didn't do enough splits. I didn't do really any splits. I did three or four, but I should have split all the hives to be sustainable. There is clear evidence from Seeley that if you spread your hives out, in other words, if you put one hive, say 100 yards or 100 meters from another hive, the chances of that hive surviving go up incredibly because should one hive get sick, they're not going to have drift or other bees won't get involved. And so um, 
it's very important, I think, to separate all the hives. I didn't do that. I had some hives together last year. And I did let them swarm, which is, which is healthy. Um, so that, that box was checked. I think the good news is the habitat we know from the past years of, of you know, converting our 50 acres back to nature that while currently uh, we don't have any honeybees on the property until next week or the week after, we do know we have a healthy population of natural bees. And there's one thing that I that I think is important to think about, and, and this really struck me when I was listening to, it may have been the founder of the Bee Weaver program or some other individuals, when they said, if you really look at the survival of nature, what really happens out there? Um, it's always about sustainability. So species don't, don't generally become <clears throat> overpopulated because what will happen is then, you know, it's not natural. It's natural for, if all of a sudden every deer that was born survived or every wolf or every coyote or every rabbit, we'd be overrun by different animals, same with insects. The other part I wonder about is if we have wasps, which we do, and hornets and all kinds of things on the property uh, that sustain themselves, they must get also get diseases of a different type. Yet they seem to adapt. So I guess my, my focus really has to be on doing what we can and being very active in splitting, making sure we do genetics. We're getting uh, some queens from uh, Saskatchewan and one other source, uh, splitting the hives, making sure we split them. The final point is I'm really debating because when I started, before I started this project, I, I did conventional beekeeping for two or three years with thymol and other treatments for mites. And I do have some thymol left, which is, you know, you hear it's part of the uh, the, the herb thyme, and, and you think, well, maybe thyme, I should, you know, I should help them. But, you know, again, I don't believe that's the right route I should take. I think it's going to be painful. There may be years when we will continue to have this problem, but I think over time we'll develop practices, and I think I'm going to have to be really clear on how I'm splitting and what I'm splitting and where I put the hives and so on, but I think we're gonna be able to do this project by focusing on some research proven techniques. As a sideline, I also reviewed the University of Guelph has started for some time a Varroa reduction program through, through uh, the local bee association. When I listened to that, I really wondered about what they were really doing, and they didn't really talk a lot about treatment, but there still appears to be a treatment component. And they also base a lot of their success on how many mites actually drop off and fall on sticky paper, as opposed to hive survival, which I think in the true um, Darwinian black box beekeeping technique, hive survival is the only thing that matters and sustainability. One thing, and I'll leave you with this note, um, <clears throat> Many of the hives of the, of the six that didn't make it had, uh, they all had honey, but some of them had significant amounts of honey. And there was no robbing. So even though the temperature was up to, I don't know, 10 or 12 degrees Celsius, there wasn't one bee anywhere robbing any hive, which tells me there are no, there are no bees around here. We don't have any bees in the, in, in the forest. We don't seem to have any bees locally some are brought in to uh, pollinate uh, fruit trees about uh, probably two kilometers away but there are, there does not appear to be um, any other bees around at this moment so that's a really interesting finding that I think will also help us support 
what we're doing on the farm. So my decision is not to use the thymol because I think it's just going to confuse things. Um, I think if uh, we have another situation, as we did uh, this past winter, we'll, we'll uh, continue to access bees and different uh, uh, diversity of genetics and, and continue to work on. I, I do believe the splitting annually will provide enough diversity and sustainability that um, you know we're going to be able to continue to survive and work on this project. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Uh, always an optimist. Look forward to getting started with the next batch of bees and also the 24-7 webcam. I'll be talking a bit more about that next week. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.